Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just an unbelievable time. It was great. I wish you guys had better agents and you didn't have to leave Thursday night. So it's, it's a shame. It's funny because we have the same agent. That's what makes the joke really good. <laughs> this is actually true. Tough scene for Josh. Connor, Connor, Connor and I do have the same agent. Shout out to Josh Lee. Makes the joke really good. Right, exactly. Yeah. Look, I mean, I just I think it goes to show, you know, who, you know who, who Josh Levy likes and who Josh. One hundred percent. The priority not. rankings are a little different. We'll break down the Josh Levy power rankings and just where you are on the list. It's very easy because you can you can slot me in towards the bottom. Yeah. And you can slot you towards the top yeah. and then fill out the middle. Yeah. Fill out the middle. So. Fantasy football happy hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and a very nicely dressed Natalie. Natalie dressed, I would say. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, exactly. Were they? Were, are all your New York Liberty sweatshirts in the wash? <laughs> what happened? I thought this was the Golf Channel. The Sauce Gardener jersey is, we, is that dry cleaners? Are we talking Hideki Matsuyama today? Uh, yeah, Victor yeah. Hovland? It just, yeah, it just feels like it feels like he's either wearing a, like a sauce gardener jersey, sure. Mm-hmm. Or or, really, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. not go too far. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, You're giving a lot of credit. Doesn't really feel like officially licensed merchandise either. <laughs> it it no. feels like he bought yeah. it from a street vendor, like DH Gate. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. Sickening that we all think yeah. that. And uh, uh, or you know, like his New York Liberty hoodie. Yeah. Right. That's, right. That's really it. That's yeah. really it. Yeah. If you follow Jay on Instagram, as I do. Uh, you'll notice that most of his children, all they do is they wear like his hand-me-downs. Yeah. They wear random, all, like, random, a random, uh, yeah, a, a random assortment of teams, and so, um, and they're always big on them. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that whenever I win a, a big bet on a team, I buy the merchandise of the team to commemorate it. So my two-year-old's running around in uh, Charlotte Hornets gear because Lamelo Ball went third in the draft a few years ago, and I bet on it. And that's uh, that's how we operated. It, it's got to be amazing when another parent asks you, like, "Oh, are you guys big Hornets fans?" Yeah. And you explain that story to them yeah. of why your child is wearing Hornets gear. No, 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 yeah. no. I, I am not a fan of the Charlotte Hornets at all. I'm just a degenerate gambler. Yeah, exactly right. Would your child like to come over for a play date? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can just imagine how you are at the. Uh, at the parent-teacher picnics. Yeah, know. yeah, it's, it's uh, quite something. A lot yeah, of Hornets man. chat. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine. Anyway, I don't know why you're uh, <laughs> you're all dressed up. Did they make you dress up at the Golf Channel? Well, I've swear. never been on the Golf Channel. They never asked me, yeah. so maybe, I wouldn't know. You'll get there, I'm sure, at some maybe, point. Maybe one day for you, Matthew. Um, yeah, I asked to wear the New York Liberty uh, hoodie on live from the PGA Championship, and they said no. Uh, so I'm... Dressed like this uh, because, I'm, uh, because I was on Golf Channel, and that's why I look like a Golf Channel person right now. Yeah, quite right. the assortment of attire around this desk. Well, I don't know what this is. This yeah. is, uh, this uh, this is called getting close to Memorial Day is what <laughs> this is called. Yeah. Very comfortable. Very nice thing, too, about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, listen, I'm comfy. We can stay here all day. All right. Let's get into the Rotor World headlines yeah. here, and starting with a very interesting one. The Ringer's Mirren Fader writes that Devontae Adams has reservations about Las Vegas' vision for the offense. A giant quote here from Adams. The pullout to me here, guys, is from Adams, we don't see eye-to-eye on what we think is best for us right now, which just screams uh, maybe some doubt about Josh McDaniel's offensive system, I would think. Well, but I think it's, I think it's three things. It's, it, this one's a really hard kind of – because I don't totally understand what they think. It's like – I think this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent, which is great. But then he's just like, maybe they don't, he don't, we don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now, maybe to accomplish that. And then down there, if you look at the bottom of the quote, you know, if we, if we play a certain brand of ball, if I can get 
and he references Garoppolo there, I can get Garoppolo to conform to whatever, but if we use him a certain type of way, then it's going to make it tough for us to maximize who we should be this year. Basically saying, I, I feel like I'm interpreting that to say, like, hey, if Garoppolo's just going to be dumping it off and being a game manager, like, that's not what I signed up for. You know, but if, if we can start throwing it deep, if we can be aggressive down the field, then maybe that'll be okay. But you do sort of feel like you feel for Devonta Adams here. I mean, again, the whole reason he left a really good situation in Green Bay playing with Aaron Rodgers was to go reunite with Derek Carr, one of his best friends in the world, his college quarterback. And now Derek Carr is a member of the New Orleans Saints. They get rid of Darren Waller as well in the offseason. They bring in Jacoby Myers. But it feels, and, you know, they just signed Josh Jacobs. At, you know, they just do a one-year deal with Josh Jacobs and the franchise tag. We'll see if they get something long-term established. But it does feel weird, right? That was a team that was really run heavy last year. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, is that it's not like he signed, like, Derek Carr's not a great deep ball thrower. That's never been his game, his archetype. Like, he's, now he's got a quarterback who is... He's actually, the, he's, a, he's better than you think he is. I, I will just say this. The thing is, is that he was so unwilling to do it for so long. and he that, may be a McDon- that may be a McDaniels thing. We don't know. But I, I, I would push back on Derek Carr not being a good deep ball thrower. Well, I just don't think that Garoppolo, as a, I think he's a reasonable facsimile of Derek Carr. I don't think they're drastically different. And the fact that you know you've still got Renfro, you've got Jacoby Myers in there, you've got some talent pass catching a tight end, you've got maybe the best running back in football. Like it's not like he's just wilting away on what's going to be a dreadful offense. Like there should still be enough there. I'd be a lot more concerned about the defense in Vegas. It, it just feels like they're not going to be, again, right? But. Jacoby Myers is a fine player. We like Jacoby Myers. We like Hunter Renfro, also a fine player. Both those guys are possession guys, right? I mean, again, and you think about what Garoppolo has done. The brilliance of Garoppolo, and I'm using that phrase very casually here, but the brilliance of Garoppolo was in that Kyle Shanahan offense, he's really accurate, Garoppolo is, and so Shanahan would scheme up all these mismatches where you're putting Debo Samuel in motion, where you're getting George Kittle up against the linebacker or whatever. He would create all these mismatches to basically let Garoppolo throw a short pass that was accurate, and whether it was Debo or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle or later in the season Chris McCaffrey last year, get these guys that are incredibly good after the catch to, you know, get, you know, tons and tons of yak, and so I just... I sort of, like, get it if I'm Devontae Adams. I think the worst sign for Devontae Adams is how good Brock Purdy looked in the Kyle Shanahan offense, where that just really lends credence to the idea that Garoppolo is a product of scheme, and we haven't seen him really flourish outside of that. So, yeah, I mean, they're just the... I mean, they play in the toughest division in football. They're the fourth team in that division. It's probably going to be a tough year for Vegas. All of that said, just to wrap this up and we can move on, the fact is, is that for our purposes, for fantasy football... It sort of doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, Devontae Adams is going to get his. He is still one of the best wide receivers in football. He still had back-to-back years with over 1,500 receiving yards. He's had at least 1,300 in four of the last five. He's one of only two wide receivers in the NFL to have at least 100 receptions and double-digit touchdowns each of the last two years. He's my wide receiver six. I'm not moving off that ranking because of he's frustrated. I get it because he went there thinking one thing and now – the team has gone a slightly different way. We, we expect Josh McDaniels to once again be run heavy, and there's going to have to be a learning curve with, with Garoppolo that wasn't there with Rodgers or with Carr, his old college roommate. But whatever. He's still Devontae Adams. He's yeah. still going to get a ton of looks. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Sticking with the theme of wide receivers, Saints coach Dennis Allen said he expects Michael Thomas to be good to go for training camp. Now, this one maybe take with a grain of salt. Uh, we know Michael Thomas has not gotten to play a lot over the last couple of years. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries. Is Jay, you see the stats right on the screen right there. I mean, it's just been a long time since Michael Thomas has been a consistent performer because of health. I mean, yeah, it's been basically three lost seasons. It should be said that in 2019 he did literally win Offensive Player of the Year uh, and was the best wide receiver in football. But, I mean, that guy, the thing is, is that when he did play this season, like, he looked pretty good. I thought he looked better than expected. Like, he wasn't washed or anything like that. And the idea of how Thomas can fit into this offense with an upgraded quarterback in car with Chris Olave, who I think is going to be a bona fide superstar. Uh, I mean, if he's healthy and he's right, then he's going to be a weapon, but there's just nothing to suggest at this point that he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to take you behind the scenes here for a little bit. Uh, in the, uh, we have a group chat for the show. We have a group chat for the show among 
uh, Jay is on the, and you know all of our producers. Are you on this group? Chat? I, I am just like the fantasy <laughs> league. I've snuck into this. Have one. you? Okay, good. Yeah. So apparently Connor's on the. I on watch the group from afar and react <laughs> once. Connor's on the group chat as well. Group apparently, so whatever. Row. There's a bunch of us on this group chat, and uh, I was running. I, kids, kids were late to school. Blah blah blah. And I said, I tweeted something. I texted something into the group chat. Hey, running late because of course I am. I am typically. Uh, I have a lot of skills. Time management is not one of them. It's part of your brand. Part of my brand. It's on <laughs> yes. brand for me. It'd be creepy so, if you were on the call at 9.59. Yeah, yeah. Saying, it'd be weird. I would be on yeah. the what, What's going on? Yeah. Who, who, who kidnapped Matthew? So, um, but anyway, the point is, is, so I text that, you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'm running late. And uh, Pete, one of our uh, producers, texts back, evergreen text, which is 100% accurate and fair. And that's what I feel like about Michael Thomas here. Yes. Oh, Michael Thomas is feeling really good in training camp. Uh-huh. Evergreen, yeah. evergreen tweet, evergreen yeah. statement that then winds up not being true yeah. at all. Matthew's on the call at ten oh seven. Yeah, know. of course. <laughs> I don't know why we just don't start the call at ten oh seven. Honestly, honestly, Stephen, why don't we do that? Yeah. Make life easier. But uh, then actually, tell of, me. Then here's what you should do. No, no, no. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys should. You guys internally should say, "Hey, guys, the real start time of the call is ten oh seven. Tell me it's ten, and then we can uh, we can go from there." But I just with Michael Thomas, it's like okay. I, I mean, again, it has been three years. Now it's a new quarterback again. No Sean Payton there, which is who was his coordinator and his play caller when he was a fantasy superstar. If there's a positive to hang your hat on last year, when he was healthy, and it was a very small sample size, just three games, but he averaged 17 fantasy points per game in those three games. He had over seven targets a game, almost a 20% target share. They were looking for him early and often. I don't think there's a fantasy draft in the world where Chris Olave doesn't go, you know, five, six, eight rounds ahead of Michael Thomas. I've been wide receiver 35, Thomas, this year. Just fine. He's a wide receiver four. He's a flyer. If he can stay healthy, is there potentially some value there? Sure, maybe. But for me, I feel like for my wide receiver four, I'd rather take a chance on like this year's Chris Olave. I'd rather take a take a chance on, you know, Jordan Addison or something like that. Right. Somebody that could pop versus Michael Thomas, who I get it, last year was good, but that was before Olave, you know, sort of exploded and uh, you know, I don't know. They also signed James Washington. I mean, the one thing is, is that he's like he's thirty. He's the same age as Devontae Adams, the guy we were just talking about. So in theory, if he's able to get his body right, he should have a lot of good football left. And he did look really good when he was out there. But I think you just have to you have to see it. You have to see Michael Thomas log on to the call at ten a.m. He is right. It. Exactly. He is. He is a you know close your eyes, hold your nose, hope for the best uh, kind of draft pick. He is no one that I would want to target going into drafts. On a more optimistic note, uh, Falcons running back B. John Robinson said head coach Arthur Smith uses me everywhere from receiver to running back when asked about where he's lined up in minicamp. Very huge expectations for Bijan, even as a rookie, and this is the type of thing that'll sell even more promise. And, and I'm annoyed about this, and I'm going to tell you why I'm annoyed about this. Because again, it's all about me. And the fact of the matter is, is that when he was drafted, one of the things I said, and we talked about this on draft night, we've talked about it since. So it's like, I could see them using him like Cordero Patterson. Think about how creative they were with Cordero Patterson in this offense, catching passes, going long, using him in the slot, using him in the backfield, you know, just lining up all over the place. And I was just like, that's the potential here with Bijan Rogers. It's not that he's a good running back who's going to get 20 touches. It's that, you know, there's going to be lots of creative ways to use him. So that's what I said. But now Arthur Smith comes out and, ta- or sorry, Bijan himself comes out and tells everyone this. And it's just like, well, now I get no credit for that. It's very upsetting. It's very upsetting to me. And, and I know what you're saying. Like, wow, Barry, did you just make this positive spin note about Bijan Robinson somehow about you? And the answer, Jay Croucher, is yes, I did, because that's my superpower. That's what I can do better than anyone else in the world. Take whatever subject it is and somehow make it about me. <laughs> yeah, Bijan Robinson as a receiver is, is about Matthew Berry. Uh, yeah, I think. Did I not just accomplish that? Thank you, America. God there bless. There is a chance that we look back in week 10 and be like, why didn't Bijan just go first in drafts? Like, why didn't we see this coming? That this team, that this is the best team in the NFL that he could have gone to for his fantasy value for this season with their commitment to running the ball. I think they were the only team that had more run plays than pass plays last season. And they weren't even a winning team and they were able right. to do that. And now they've got the best running back prospects since Adrian Peterson if you want to 
You can throw Saquon Barkley in there as well. Uh, they've got the top two, top three run-blocking offensive line. Uh, and they should have, I think, a better quarterback situation. It's not necessarily that Desmond Ritter is going to be better than Marcus Mariota, but I think that Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke, whoever is better out of those two, will probably be yes. better than Marcus Mariota. And then you've got uh, Matthew's man, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London kind of spacing the floor for Bijan. I think he's, he's going to be an absolute force. I am not ranking him as my number one running back. No. But finishing as the number one running back in fantasy is certainly within the realm of possibilities for Bijan Robinson this year. It is within the range of outcomes, there's no question. He is the corollary to what Justin Fields is at the quarterback position, where he might have a higher upside than just about anyone, just because we haven't seen it. There's some right. variance. Um, but, you know, you're going to take... Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes over Fields. You're going to take Christian McCaffrey over Bijan Robinson. Yeah, 100%. Jay, you've talked He's right there. I think I am. I I have Bijan Robinson at running back five overall. I might be too low. It's in play. And you've talked about how he's being undervalued. Forget Offensive Rookie of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year is on the table. And he's out of range right now in terms of the odds. Yeah, I mean, he's been. like 60 to 1, 50 to 1, that type of range for Offensive Player of the Year. And that, that award, that's a fantasy football award. That is just, if you are the best at your position in terms of standard scoring, fantasy production, then you typically win that award so long as you're on a winning team and you beat out the other best wide receiver or the best running back. Uh, and Bijan, I think he has a huge chance. Right, I mean, two years back. ago, I think Cooper Cup won that award, right? Yep. Yeah, Cooper I mean, Cup. like, you know, when he had the monster year. And so That was Michael Thomas in 2019 when he, he was the best wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah, and by the way, think about, just play that out for a second here, right? That's not a division that's unwinnable for the Falcons. No. I mean, they were right there last year. I mean, Carolina, Tampa Bay, New Orleans are all sort of rebuilding. Like, I would assume the Saints are probably the favorite right now, but you don't feel like, oh, yeah, there's no way we can beat Derek Carr. Like, yeah. I mean... They are the favorite, but they're also like, I don't know, they're like the 18th best team in football, the Saints. Right. So they're very, very beatable. And the Falcons are the second favorite in that division. So they could just go 10-7 and seven and Bijan could be the best running back in the sport. Staying with running back usage, your commanders, Barry. Head coach Ron Rivera said he would like to get Antonio Gibson more touches in 2023. The old we would like to do. Uh, Rivera actually said he's intrigued by the way Gibson fits into what Eric Bieniemy wants to do with the offense. And that's the key of it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is Ron Rivera can say, I'd like to get him more touches. Ron Rivera is not going to touch the offense. He never has. He never will. Eric Bieniemy, the assistant head coach and coming in to call the plays to run the offense. I interviewed Ron Rivera at the, uh, at the NFL Combine. Uh, and you can watch that video, you know, on the NFL and NBC YouTube channel. What I will tell you is, is that when I asked Coach Rivera and I said, hey, what was it about Eric Bieniemy that made you think this is the guy to run your office? And he said, I loved how dynamic he made all the plays in Kansas City and how he was able to spread the ball around, especially getting the running backs involved in the passing game. And so if you, as you sit there and you look at the backfield from last year, J.D. McKissick isn't there, Jonathan Williams is whatever, Curtis Samuel, they sprinkle it in. I think you're going to see Brian Robinson in the Isaiah Pacheco role and Antonio Gibson in the Jarek McKinnon role, just to use kind of a very simple, you know, basic comparison, a little bit of a lazy comparison. But honestly, that's, it's going to be a little bit of that. Like Gibson is, and Connor, you know, we weren't working together at the time that he came out, but my assumption would be is when he came out of college, you were talking about his pass catching because this is a guy that was more of a wide receiver at Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, I mean, like, yes. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, right. same mold. I mean, this is what Memphis does. If you're a run, and yes, he actually legitimately played wide receiver as well. It's the fact that you can be motioned out wide, or you can sit in the backfield, or just be thrown to as a running back. So that the McKinnon, I, I don't think that's lazy comparison. I think that's actually spot on, especially when you talk about a coach going to a new place and looking at players that are on the roster no matter what that he's had success with. The usage should be very similar. Yep. 46 uh, receptions last year, 12% target share in a year in which J.D. McKissick played like half the season off the top of my head again. So McKissick's not back. And, you know, it literally is going to be it's going to be thunder and lightning. It's going to be Robinson and Gibson. And so given his skill set and his versatility, Antonio Gibson, because he is somebody that can still run between the tackles. He is somebody that can, you know, play in the slot. He can go out wide. They can use him in a variety of different ways. Uh, I do think Gibson becomes kind of an interesting later round flyer in PPR. Yep. I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought Brian Robinson, even though his like yards per carry wasn't particularly efficient, I thought he looked fantastic last yes. season and he had a top ten PFF grade for running backs. Do you think that he could add a receiving element to his game? Looks like Gibson's going to get the usage there, but could Robinson be more of a pass catcher? He can catch the ball, and his pass protection keeps him on the field on those downs. Yeah. Yep. So 
you're looking at, is he going to be the guy in the slot that catches the bubble screens or gets the premium receiving back usage? No, but in terms of being a checkdown outlet or a slip screen guy, that is absolutely in the cards for Brian Robinson. And we just don't know what we're going to get out of Sam Howell, but inexperienced quarterback, you would think he might be more prone to dumping off than you know, perhaps a more veteran quarterback that's you know, more used to just you know, getting rid of the ball quickly or you know, somebody who's more athletic than Sam Howell that could just scramble out of danger, right? You know, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, they can just do that, right? Sam Howell's not going to be able to run away from a defender the way like those quarterbacks could. Yep. Broncos head coach Sean Payton reiterated the team believes Samaji Pirine can play all three downs. We got to see Pirine's usage sharing a backfield with Joe Mixon last year, guys. Uh, and Peyton also said this about Javante Williams. Hopefully, might not start on the pup. That's not really the most optimistic quote. And that's the thing. I saw a lot of people's interesting. It's so important to read every single word, right? And I saw a lot of people sort of like talk about that quote from Peyton about like, hallelujah, Javante Williams, he's a great value, blah, blah, blah. Look, you know, and I'm like, I don't read that again. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully might not. <laughs> hopefully might not. You know, like, there's a lot, like of, there's a lot of caveats. I mean, they, they signed Samaj P. Ryan to a real contract. Like, you know, for, not, not just to be a – and the Bengals wanted to keep P. Ryan, and he had other offers. And one of the things that came out uh, once that signing happened, and I saw this on Pro Football Talk as well, is that, you know, that Peyton talked about I sold P. Ryan on, and P. Ryan, you know, kind of corroborated this, that, like, hey – Think about what I did in New Orleans. I used multiple running backs. I'm very creative at how I use them. And you think about sort of the, the, the heyday of Mark Ingram, you know, the Alvin Kamara Mark Ingram, not his second stint with the team, but sort of the heyday there when that offense was really humming. And Mark Ingram had legit fantasy value to the, to the chagrin of people that had Kamara on their roster. And so P. Ryan, who had four different games last year where he had double-digit touches, he averaged 21.3 fantasy points per game. The two games that Joe Mixon missed, 248 total yards and you think about the five of the six season here's just a number to tell you what we just already know sort of anecdotally sean payton gave 150 or more touches to multiple running backs in five of his last six seasons with the saints he had at least two running backs get at least 150 touches five of the last six seasons with new orleans so he especially given that we don't know when javante williams is going to play and if he does they might ease him back in Samaj P. Ryan is somebody that, again, Sean Payton, new regime, went out and said, like, that's a guy I want. Let me pay him some money. I think P. Ryan's a good value yep. this year. I think that Javante Williams obviously has more upside and is more explosive, but I would make P. Ryan a favorite head-to-head to outscore him in fantasy this season just because he might be getting a six-week head start. And then the other thing is that when you're not giving the ball to P. Ryan with the Super Bowl on the line, like, he's really good. He's really, <laughs> right. really solid outside of, you know, giving the ball to him with the Super Bowl on the line. Yeah. They probably shouldn't have done. But, uh, yeah, I think that P. Ryan's got the talent, and uh, he's going to be a very unexciting pick in fantasy drafts, but a very good pick, I would think, for the most part. Yeah, massive upside depending on how much time Williams misses. And if Williams is healthy, I still think there's a, there's a role there for P. Ryan to have positive fantasy value. I like – I would – I don't know where you'd get a line on that, but I like the bet of P. Ryan to have more fantasy points total for the year than Javante Williams. Yep. Moving over to the Bucks, their quarterback coach, Thad Lewis, said Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield will get even reps Ooh. during summer practice. A little battle here in Bucks camp, Jay. Well, it's been a steep fall-off one for Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans who have gone from the greatest quarterback of all time to a quarterback battle between Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. And then, two, it's quite a steep drop-off for Baker Mayfield as well. I mean, is do you think he's just the write-off, Connor? Like, versus what he put up in college where he's a consensus number one pick. Is there just nothing left of this guy? It seems like the shoulder injury he suffered in Cleveland that he played through definitely physically limited him. And it feels like, honestly, as well, the mental side of the game has not caught up to the pro level. I mean, he drifts backwards a lot. He runs into pressure. The arm strength is not the same as it was as a prospect in that early Cleveland days. And... I think simply Baker Mayfield hasn't been a good decision maker either. It's unfortunate. He's, this is a good offense, right? Like, they're still receiving talent. The offensive line will be better. But Baker Mayfield should be dominating Kyle Trask in a camp, and the Bucks don't seem to expect that. Here's the thing with Baker. If you want to make the case for Baker, he was really good in his first and third years in the season. I think year two was the Freddie Kitchens year. He was injured year four. Yeah, he yep. did the shoulder in year four. And then last year, he gets signed by Carolina. doesn't have much time to prepare. And then he's on the late, Rams late all of a sudden. Late in the season. He get late, late into camp, he gets yes. signed in Carolina. So there is, like, it's a bit of a stretch, and it's a bit of a concern. Like, he was on Carolina for a while, and he didn't get better, which is the red flag. And he was 
wasn't great in LA either, though. He's a little bit better. So I wouldn't completely put a line through Baker Mayfield, but it's certainly trending in the wrong direction. You have to squid to get there, but you can get there. Uh, You know, and right again, like if there was a, like if you were a quarterback in the NFL and you're like, look, all you have to do to get the starting job is to beat out Kyle Trask, you'd you'd like that opportunity. You know what I mean? Like Kyle Trask was a guy that, People were somewhat surprised when he was drafted. He felt like he was going to be, you know, a career backup was the best yeah. case scenario. Or day three pick that got taken in the second round. Right. I mean, just so, um, and to your point, there is offensive talent on the Buccaneers. But sort of fantasy-wise, I don't know that this matters. No. You know, I mean, it just, it does, like, neither one of these guys, whoever's the starting quarterback will be drafted in deep two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues. That's it. Maybe if one of them has some success and they have a good matchup, you could see you streaming one of them as a bye week guy. But just whether it's Baker or Kyle Trask, neither of those guys run. Um, you know, and it's hard to see them putting up in the Tampa Bay offense, even though they have Evans and Godwin, it's hard to see them putting up massive numbers. Yeah, I think if you draft Mike Evans in particular, you're hoping for a trade in the first six weeks of the season or before the season starts because it's just very hard to see. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both ending the season on the team on a team that's starting Kyle Trask potentially. Like those guys have a lot to offer. It, it's a it's a weird sort of thing there in Tampa Bay because you're sort of like, well, what are you guys doing? Are you yeah. guys tearing it all down? Or are you quote going for it because right. they've got Timeline's some? Timeline's odd. It, it's a it does feel a little bit weird, and it's similar to kind of what's going on with with the Raiders, right? You sort of feel like, you know, hang on, you're. You got rid of Carr and you got rid of Darren Waller, but then you also signed Garoppolo to a big deal and you get your... Anyway, it's just a little... The issue there, seems too, weird. that complicates the timeline is that the division is so bad. Like, they could win the division. Yes, like, could. this team is a mess, but they're only plus 500 to win the division. And Todd Bowles probably wants to save his job. And if they go 9-8, and 10-7 and seven, win the, the division... Key. Coach trying to save his job, Sam McDaniels with the Raiders. Yep. Very... Weirdly similar situations that'll be hard to dissect. Yeah. Our final Roto World headline: The Kokomo Tribune's George Bremer said Colts sure. coach. That's, I, I had to make good, sure this was real. Yeah, yeah. I thought somebody was pranking me in the rundown. Uh, George Bremer said Colts coaches have been impressed by quarterback Anthony Richardson's pocket awareness. That's what you like to see. Yeah. Now, do you think it means when he says that? Do you think he? He's like, when he's been doing um, uh, plays, he's, you know, he, he feels really good in the pocket. And he's got good pack awareness. Or do you think it's like just sort of like, ooh, that's the pocket. Like he's aware of where it is. Like he can point it out on, the, on, on film. I think it's absolutely what they've seen in practices and shorts. Got it. Okay, that makes Which, sense. Uh, so this is a poorly re- phrased uh, <laughs> sentence. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Everyone's sort of like, so the reaction on Fantasy Twitter, I don't know if you guys saw this. The reaction on Fantasy Twitter was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, coach speak, whatever, Anthony Richardson, blah, blah, blah. But then our friend and colleague, Denny Carter, tweeted out. He says, everyone's going to laugh about this until he drops 38 on the Jaguars in week one. And I quote tweeted and I said this. Because I have to tell you, like, 38's an exaggeration, honestly. But Anthony Richardson, I think, is arguably a top 12 fantasy quarterback from day one. Again, we know there's accuracy issues. We know there is, there's concern about the arm. Uh, until he gets more reps and, and more up to speed. But he is such an amazing athlete. And because of the rushing, in terms of fantasy, think about Lamar Jackson's rookie year. They literally would not let Lamar Jackson throw the ball his rookie year, right? And he came in over the final nine games. He had seven starts. And in those seven starts, he averaged 18.6 fantasy points per game. He was the ninth best quarterback in fantasy over that stretch and almost never threw the ball. Jalen Hurts. Had only four games. And by the way, Jalen Hurts' rookie year, Doug Peterson's fighting with Howie Roseman. It's tons of injuries as well. Like, like um, they had, like, AAF superstars were, like, their best. You know, they had no skilled players around Jalen Hurts. And yet, in four starts, he averaged 23 fantasy points per game. Once again, the ninth-best quarterback in fantasy in, uh, in his rookie year of 2020. I'm telling you guys, Anthony Richardson... From moment one, the minute he's announced the starter as the Colts, he's a top 12 fantasy quarterback, yep. even if he never throws a pass. Yep. I think it's going to be an incredible sign for Richardson and his fantasy value if they have him as the week one starter, which I think is probably an underdog. You'd probably think they start off with Gardner Minshew, but the thing is to remember is that coaches generally know better than we do. Outside of Nuggets Lakers last night where Jamal Murray should not have been switching on to LeBron. But outside of that, usually coaches know better. And if they believe that Anthony Richardson is ready to start week one, then go ahead and bet him to an offensive rookie of the year because he should be second favorite after Bijan if that's the case. And go ahead and draft him pretty high. And and by the way, 
there's other aspects at play here. I, I again, you know, uh, you never like to always quote draft day, but when you can, doing when it you a can, lot when lightly. You can, when you can, we are. But no, I mean, like the the one there's there's much that's wrong with draft day. The one draft day, but one thing that's very real is an owner coming to a coach and a general manager saying, "I need butts in the seats. I want some excitement. Mm-hmm. I want the back pages, and I want the you know I want the front page of the sports section of the newspaper. Put that guy in. Do that. Do that." Um, it's one of the things that, candidly, with the commanders was a huge issue with the commanders because the coaching staff all wanted Kirk Cousins, but Snyder wanted RG three. Like in year two or three, when they realized when you know RG three just wasn't right with a leg, and in practice, everyone was like, "Cousins is out playing him every single week." So the point is, is like there's a scenario where you say they may say, coach wise, you know, we think. Minshew is probably a little bit more NFL ready than Anthony Richardson, where Jim Ursay, who is certainly not shy about voicing his opinion, says, I don't care. We use the fourth overall pick on this kid. He's starting day one. And there's also a scenario where they say, look, look, is he ready? No, he's not. But you know what the best way to learn? Trial by fire. Just get out there. Just Right. You have to play. Right. I mean, that was the thing with Richardson at Florida. There was times where they tried to kind of keep training wheels on him there, and it's they finally just let him play this last year. And you look at the second half of the season, the last seven games, touchdown-interception ratio was significantly better. Let the guy play. And I yep. think Steichen and the Colts are going to come to that conclusion after a couple of weeks of August. Yep. And I think as well, I think that what happened, the path that Rodgers and Mahomes took, like that happened to work out. It also might have worked out if they just played from the start. Right. Well, we don't know that. Like everyone's like, oh, it definitely worked because they did this. Maybe Mahomes would have just been good his and, first and, year. And by the way, let's, let's be clear here. In the Rodgers and Mahomes scenarios, like with Mahomes, they had Alex Smith, a former team. number one overall pick, a very good NFL quarterback who, yes, had led them to the playoffs the year before, yep. right? And with Rodgers, it's Brett freaking Favre. Yep. So, I mean, like both those guys, like Alex Smith isn't a Hall of Famer, but Alex Smith was an above average NFL quarterback and, yep. and, and certainly very solid. Favre is a Hall of Famer. And so, all due respect to Gardner Minshew, he ain't either of those guys. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I, I do think, I, yeah, they got to just, they just got to let him play. And he'll take some lumps. But uh, I'm telling you, assuming, as soon as he is named the starter, and hopefully it's by week one, top 12 fantasy quarterback. Yep. And he will develop. Especially in a division that, I mean, what are you afraid of? The Texans are probably going to start Stroud. There's just not a lot in that division that you're looking at and going, we're so afraid to play our guy. Right. I mean, shot. you know, Tennessee's going to have Tannehill, but they Last may. Year, Tannehill. But, but, but right, but they may, they may turn to Will Levis at sure. some point if you, you know, believe it. So, and then you get the Jaguars, who were a great story last year, and we like them this year, but they're certainly not world beaters at this point. Oh, we're probably a 10 and 7 10. Yeah. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Before we get to Matthew's positional rankings, going on this week right around the corner from us on the unbuttoned set, Chris Sims is counting down his top 40 quarterbacks. Some of the young guns have made the list. So be sure to see where all the biggest names wow. fall over the next few weeks on Chris Sims Unbutton. 39. So you, so you see right here, Sam Howell. <laughs> Sam Howell, at Sam Howell at 39 Sims. behind three guys that have never taken a snap in the <laughs> That's NFL. That's outrageous. Wait, is it? Is it it's outrageous. Yes. Come on. At 39. Where's, uh, Sims. 
Where is, were you? Like, you did Sims' show today, didn't you? I did the next tier, which I don't want to give tier? away. Yep. All right, that's fine. You don't have to give it away. But did you at least fight for Sam Howell at all? <laughs> could you help me out? I We did. We had a really nice conversation <laughs> that Howell's ceiling gives him a chance to be one of the biggest leapers for next year's rankings. Where was Jake from? The, you know, where's Jacoby Brissett? 25. Jacoby <laughs> yeah. Brissett. As like a Commanders fan, what I can tell you, though, is it's worth uh, – it is, it is worth noting that um, – uh, Chris Sims, number one, also had Diami Brown as his number three wide receiver coming out of the draft. Did not work out. Um, still time. Yeah, it was still t- there's still time. <laughs> That's what we always say when we miss him. Right, it's fair. It's still <laughs> they're in the league, there is still, still time. time. He, was, he was anti-Jalen Hurts uh, at the beginning of the year. As at the beginning of the feud. In fairness to Sims, is my buddy. Uh, in fairness to Sims, he was out on, on Hurts as an elite quarterback. He wasn't out on Hurts as a quarterback. He was just out on Hurts as an elite quarterback. You know, what? as an elite quarterback. What was his big one? He had he had Burrow over Rodgers and Brady, though, right? By the way, he was right on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yes. got to give him yep. total credit. He was at, yes, he was he was ahead. He had Burrow ahead of Rodgers and Brady last going into last year, which I thought was sacrilege. And by the way, I was dead wrong on that. He was absolutely right. Make so, or miss league. So we'll, Make we'll or just miss see. League, Connor. I just want Sam Howell to be higher than thirty nine. <laughs> That's all. Is that He's so wrong? The He'll get there. He's gonna get He'll the chance. There. there you yeah. go. Speaking of ranking quarterbacks here, Barry. Let's get into your positional sure. rankings, of course, from a fantasy perspective. Quarterbacks 1 through 10 right here. No surprise. We've talked about this before. Josh Allen slightly edges out Jalen Hurts. And then the rest of this list after that, I mean, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, no surprises there. Justin Fields making the top 10 after the rushing performance he put on last year. And obviously you're expecting a pretty big uh, leap from Deshaun Watson after a rusty shortened season last year. I certainly am. So I just want to point out a couple of guys here and – I may swap, uh, you know, Fields and Herbert. I, that one I really struggled with. Same as well. I mean, Lamar, Herbert, and Fields, candidly, right? That five, six, seven are all just sort of right there. Here's the argument for Lamar. And I know people are concerned about the injury history, which is, which is fair. But at least 20 fantasy points per game in three of the last four seasons. Four straight years with 750 rushing yards. And I'm excited about Todd Munkin. I'm just excited about the creativity that I think he'll bring to this offense. Certainly they need to – OBJ needs to get healthy. Rashad Bateman needs to get healthy. But they've added some weapons for L. Jacks this year. He's got the big contract. Herbert yeah, – I know, I know a lot of people might be like, Herbert, really? Like, I get it. But last year, they, listen, they added, finally added a deep threat for him as well. You know, last season, in what a lot of people thought was a down year for Herbert, he still was top three in both pass attempts and passing yards per game. And with Kellen Moore coming in to call the plays there – Think about, remember, what Kellen Moore did in Dallas, even with conservative Mike McCarthy over him. Top six in points three of the last four seasons under Kellen Moore. I think that offense takes another step. And then you saw Trevor Lawrence down there at eight. Eight different games last year. I'm sorry, nine. Nine different games last year with at least 18 fantasy points. That was top five among all quarterbacks. Top ten in pass attempts per game. Another year in Peterson's system. Remember, they got Calvin Ridley back as well. So in addition to, you know, they, they brought back Evan Ingram. They've got Christian Kirk. They've got Zay Jones. They've Travis Etienne, another year removed from his injury. So they've got all the weapons that were there last year. And then they add Calvin Ridley, again, second year in the system. And felt like, from a pure, forget fantasy for a second, from a pure football standpoint, it felt like second half of the year, the kind of the light clicked on for Trevor Lawrence. And he yep. was just like, okay. Now I get what it means to be in the NFL and be a guy that's just like, get on my back. We're going down on this drive. We're going to win the game. Yep. He just went, being that guy. He went from mediocre or below average to like fringe MVP candidate level production in the second half of the season. Want to read you a stat line, okay. Matthew, Connor. Please. Uh, 4,823 passing yards, Ooh. 70% completion rate, 112 QB rating, 33-7 to 7 touchdown-interception ratio, and then another 444 yards on the ground and three touchdowns, and the fifth-best quarterback in fantasy. That's what Deshaun Watson did in his last full season, and there is a chance that he comes out and is just a top-three, top-five quarterback in football. I think that when you're talking about quarterbacks with upside, I think the guys who have the biggest deltas, the biggest kind of range between best and worst outcomes, it's Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields. Those are the two guys. Because Fields could just be the best guy, like we were talking about. Uh, he could also just not break off 70-yard touchdown runs for fun. And then Deshaun Watson, like, he was pretty bad last season. But he also could be, you 
you know, look, he, he's never going to win an MVP in this league, you know, yeah. I think, but he could put up that kind of The production. thing on Watson is, to your point about range of outcomes, absolutely. Like, he's a yeah. guy that was a fantasy superstar in Houston. There's no question about it. And there's weapons there in Cleveland, right? And so we, we both like Cedric Tillman. I don't like him as much as you do. I, I like him, and I don't like him as much as you do. I know you're all in on Cedric Tillman. Absolutely. Right? And they obviously they have Amari Cooper. Um, and David Njoku kind of had a breakout year last year as well. The concerns are, when he was putting up massive fantasy numbers in Houston – Bad defense, crazy shootouts, controlled environment, right? They played half their games in a dome inside. Man, those November games in Cleveland when the wind's whipping around, like, they're brutal. And so that's the concern. It's a tougher division as well. Like, whether it's the Bengals, the Steelers, or the Ravens, like, every single one of those, forget record, they're all going to be knockdown, dragout, defensive fights. Uh, So those are the concerns on Deshaun Watson. But you're absolutely, the skill set is there. And we expect the offensive scheme there to be uh, be there where he could put up easy top five yep. fantasy numbers. I thought Stefanski, I mean, Stefanski won coach of the year in the past three years. Also, they've got a top three offensive line in yep. football. Uh, they have weapons and also they have a running game that Deshaun Watson, I don't think, ever had really in Houston. So, I mean, it is all and there. And he's pretty good on play action, too. Yes. Yeah, he, he could have a monster season. You wisely had Trevor Lawrence in the top 10 sitting there at eight. Trevor Lawrence uh, is watching the quarterback rankings. Kyle Brandt in his quarterback rankings had Lawrence all the way down there in tier six. And Trevor Lawrence's response to that was, the game ain't played on paper. It's fair. Well, little... fantasy football literally is. In fantasy <laughs> football, though, Trevor Lawrence on... is. Yeah, it is. And that's I, why Barry played on paper. You. Yeah, played on, paper. Quarterback. played on Played on your phone, played on the computer. Um, yeah. Who's Kyle Brandt? <laughs> I'm Team Lawrence here. I'm Team, I'm team T-Law. Yeah, we're going to get rid of T-Law as a nickname, but outside of that, yeah, yeah. we're trending up. Let's take a look at the running back rankings. And we had an earlier conversation, Barry, how you said, I might be too low. On Bijan Robinson, he's sitting there at number five, only behind Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor. Very familiar names in the first round of fantasy, especially in redraft leagues. Right, and honestly, there is a scenario where he goes number two after McCaffrey among running backs. Right, we'll see what happens with Eckler's situation. If he's not back with the Chargers, you know, and that's a situation that still hasn't sort of been resolved. So I could see a scenario where if he's not with the Chargers, you move him off. Taylor, if you don't get great reports or Bart, like. If I'm in a draft and someone takes Bijan Robinson as the number two running back, I'm not looking. I'm weird going, like, what are you doing? Like, that's yep. that's certainly in the scenario. Like, right? You would? I would do it personally. I yeah. think I would too. Yeah. I, I have mean, a little close. note at the end of today's show of why when we okay. talk schedules, so I'll save it. But, yes, I would take Bijan Robinson number two overall. I, like I said, I think I might be too too low on him for sure. I could see a scenario where he jumps over Taylor and and, and Saquon as well. Yep. So, we'll see. And, and, by the way, Eckler if Eckler moves on. Jay, what do you think of, of those rankings? Is there a guy in the outside the top five that you could see having a top five finish? Yeah, Tony Pollard okay. is the really interesting one to me, particularly if you know there's no Ezekiel Elliott and he doesn't kind of resurface, which I think fantasy managers hopes that he resurfaces yeah. somewhere else so he yes. doesn't disrupt Tony Pollard. But Pollard had a stretch, I want to say from like week eight to 16, that type of range, where he was just about the best running back around. He is, I mean, just whenever he gets usage, he just produces like an absolute monster. He's another guy who's 60-1 to 1 for Offensive Player of the Year. He could absolutely win that award. So he's the interesting one to me. I think Josh Jacobs as well. He's just a diff- difficult guy to project. I mean, he was the best pure runner, running back in the league last year. Won the rushing title. It's just... Just the weirdness of like the you know the contract situation and that team just doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction. But he is still an absolute beast when he's out there. No question about it. But 393 total touches last year, and so you know almost near that magic 400 number. And we have seen traditionally some drop off when when players get that kind of usage. Now he's incredibly tough. He's still very very young, uh, but. You know, that's something that one of the reasons why I'm at six. Yeah. And I think there's an argument you could have him even higher. And coming in at number 10, how about Ramondre Stevenson? Again, no Damian Harris there. Uh, it's really going to be the Ramondre show for the Patriots. One of the things that's exciting for me is that this is a guy that had a 17% target share last year, which is third highest among running backs. You don't really think of Ramondre Stevenson when you think about the McCaffreys, the Ecklers, the true pass-catching running backs. But he was right there in terms of target share from weeks three through 13. There was a 10-game stretch there where he was the third-best running back in fantasy, averaging over 18 points per game. Again, no Damien here. There's no one on the Patriots roster that you think, that's like, the key. well, there's gonna, that's who takes up 
you know, some of the uh, some of the slack for him. Last year it was with Damian Harris. Yeah, and there's also no concern, like with, say, Dallas. Maybe they just throw the ball a lot more because they got a good offensive line and Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. Like, the Patriots aren't going to have Mac Jones throwing the ball 45 no. times. Like, they want to run. They do, and I think they'll have a more cohesive offensive unit under Bill O'Brien than they have than they did last year, which was kind of a kind of a mess. So um, you you think about Bill O'Brien, and you think about some of the years he had in Houston. Think about like Arian Foster, you know, and and so um, yeah, I think Ramondre is a top ten player this year. Let's move over to your wide receiver rankings. Your top ten here, headlined by Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup in their own tier there at the top. Obviously, big expectations for a cup bounce back here, Barry. And then a lot of familiar characters, uh, besides Garrett Wilson breaking into the top 10 after winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, insanely talented, and now gets Aaron Rodgers, who's right. you know no dummy. Rodgers is going to look for Wilson early and often. You see all sort of the typical names there that you expect. I don't think there's any shock. But Cup I want to talk about at number two. I thought Jay... Believe it or not, brought up a great point the other time we talked about <laughs> Nicely done, Joe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every once in a while, you run into it. But <laughs> the point is, is that, no, what Jay said, which I thought was so smart and spot on, was that Cooper Cup, two years ago, the year the Rams won the Super Bowl, proved that when they're winning, he can be the best wide receiver in fantasy football. He can just be a dominant, dominant force. But last year, when everything that could go wrong did go wrong, He was still a dominant force. We forget about it because Jefferson's season was so magical and because he got hurt. But last year, on a points-per-game basis, no one was better than Cooper Cup. He averaged more fantasy points per game than Justin Jefferson, than Tyreek Hill, than Jamar Chase, than anyone. 22.4 fantasy points per game in his eight full games. That's what he averaged. Uh, Had over 25 fantasy points in five of those eight full games. So even in a season in which everything that could have gone wrong for the Rams did go wrong, he was still an elite fantasy option. The floor is so high with Cup, as is the upside. I not only have him as my number two wide receiver, but I have him as a top four overall pick. Yep, no, absolutely, with Cup. I mean, it, we kind of I maybe forget about it a little bit, but he did have maybe the greatest wide receiver season in history two yeah. years ago, and he's still young enough where it should be the same type of operation. The one thing with him that I would worry about, and maybe this is irrational, but you look at the other guys around him, guys like Jefferson, like Chase, uh, other guys as well, like Tyreek Hill. You expect that they're going to be on winning teams and playing meaningful games late in the season. I would worry a little bit that if Cooper Cup has a niggling ankle injury, if that team is out of the mix, maybe he's not playing the last three weeks of the season, whereas the other guys, you know that they're probably going to be out there. So that would just be the one thing, is that I don't think you really want to invest in the Los Angeles Rams, but Cup, if he's healthy and out there playing, is as good as anyone. Barry, was Jameson Williams' suspension, did that help Amon Ra St. Brown in the rankings at all? Now there'll be six games where it's, it's Amon Ra, pretty much, and a, and a high-octane uh, passing attack. It certainly didn't hurt. I mean, you know, I was already high on Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, last year, look, he had a 29% target share. Targets are earned in the NFL. And the fact of the matter is, is that even if Jameson Williams is there, think about it. So, you know, Hawkinson is no longer there. Who else do they have there? They Marvin Jones made a return there. They they have Josh Reynolds, not Khalif much. Raymond. Yeah, they drafted the rookie Gibson Sam Laporta. And right. How much do those guys get immediately? Exactly. So among the passing game, and it's a pretty good passing game. Behind a good offensive coordinator and Jared Goff, I think has played above expectations here. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be the focal point of this passing attack. Last year, he had 13 games with eight or more targets. He averaged 19.3 fantasy points per game in those games. And, yes, we expect him to – even when Jameson Williams is out there, Jameson Williams is a, is a speedster. He's not a guy that's going to command eight to ten targets right. a game, I feel like. He's a guy that you take a couple of shots at. You know, he's a guy that's going to be, like, in the five to six target range to me. Amon Ra, uh, coming out of the slot to me, will continue to have a massive target share in a good offense. He's my wide receiver seven. All right. Let's look at the tight ends to close out your positional rankings. No surprise at the top. Travis Kelsey, this is clearly a position group that needs some revamping, needs a rehaul. I'll tell you what, though, Barry, the one that jumps out to me here on this list is absolutely Darren Waller at number five. We know what he can do when healthy and maybe reinvigorated moving over to Brian Dable's offense. So think about this, the New York Giants, right? It was a great season for the Giants last year, um, and Daniel Jones played well, got rewarded with a big contract, and you're like, well... You know, they're going over to this high-powered passing attack. How's Waller going to get targets? You know who led the Giants in targets last year? 
Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Saquon Barkley had 76 targets last year, which led New York. So they go out and they get somebody like Waller, who's really good at crossing routes, which is where Daniel Jones is the most comfortable throwing, is between the numbers there in the middle of the field. Waller obviously needs to stay healthy, a question. But, like, he is fourth per yards. He is fourth in yards per route run since 2019. Dan Waller is, again, on a, on a per-game basis. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's a lot of opportunity there because, yes, while there are a lot of pass catchers in New York, there aren't a lot of guys. Like, who knows what you're going to get out of Sterling Shepard or Wondell Robinson or, you know. Injuries, injuries. you know, like, theme with Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, liked, I thought the Jalen Hyatt pick was good. But, like, there is a very real possibility that Darren Waller leads this team in targets and that the passing offense goes through Darren Waller the way in Kansas City, goes through Travis Kelsey, the way in uh, Baltimore, goes through Mark Andrews, the way, you know, it potentially could go through TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota, or the way it did go through Hawkinson in Detroit. I mean, obviously Minnesota has Jefferson Jefferson, but, but my point is, is like he could be one of those rare tight ends where the passing offense goes through him. Yep, and I probably trust Brian Dayball as much as any coach in the league to maximize the talent on his roster because he's also a guy who's not just like, all right, well, we've got Saquon Barkley, so we're just going to run Saquon Barkley 25 times. Like in the, their last meaningful game of the season, I think Saquon had like seven, nine carries or whatever against the Colts, and they decided they were going to run Daniel Jones. Like they just they do the smartest thing and they do the best thing, and Waller is probably the most talented pass catcher they have. So, uh, no, I think that he's got huge potential. Um, and also, by the way, they went on and got him. Yeah. Like this is, it's a new regime in New York. Last year was their first year. A lot of the guys they inherited, but this is somebody they went out and got. They specifically targeted and they went out and got. So in front of Waller was Kelsey Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle. No surprise there. Right after him at six, Dallas Goddard. Pat Firemuth at seven. Kyle Pitts at eight. Nine was Evan Ingram. Ten was Dalton Schultz. Was there any temptation to try to sneak Dalton Kincaid in here? Yeah, but I mean, the, the ADP on Dalton Kincaid, especially for people that are doing like best ball drafts, getting is insane. like insane. So. You know, like, looked at it, but I couldn't make it, I couldn't justify it. Like, wouldn't shock me if at the end of the year he winds up in the top 10, but hard for me to rank him there. I will say Kyle Pitts. I know people probably see Kyle Pitts on that list and they roll their eyes, but the fact is, is that he still had a 27% target share last year. It didn't turn into production. You know, touchdowns were still hard to come by for Kyle Pitts. It was a very, to be kind, inconsistent passing attack, but hopefully whether it's Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. Like, that's the, to me what gives you confidence here is, again, that, uh, that Arthur Smith will hopefully design plays to get him the ball. Again, I mean, no tight end had a higher target share than Kyle Pitts, 27%. Uh, adding B. John Robinson, so now there's another weapon for defensive coordinators to worry about. And if Desmond Ritter is not up to the job, here comes Taylor Heineke. And we can debate whether or not you could actually win an NFL you know, game with Taylor Heineke, whether he's like a quote, you know, starting caliber NFL quarterback. But we have seen players have very productive fantasy seasons under Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas for moments in Washington as well. Heineke is good enough to get the ball to Kyle Pitts is the point. He also just throws the ball, which Marcus Mariota That's, often just never did. Right. Um, so I think that, yeah, that, that helps uh, Pitts' ceiling and floor. Yeah, there'll be a short leash on Ritter. Like, if he's not getting the job done, they will turn to Heineke. Let's quickly read out some of the guys who finished top 10 in PPR scoring among sure. tight ends last season. Uh, Tyler Higby, he was sixth. Cole Komet was eighth. Taysom Hill was ninth. Oh, yeah. So I think that the... The state of the position looks a little bit better, particularly if someone like Kyle Pitts is going eighth, whereas he was what, going third yeah. last season behind just Kelsey and Andrews. You know, you asked me about Dalton Kincaid. I'll tell you two guys that I do think are really interesting sort of sleepers at the tight end position, um, one of whom is uh, uh, who, you just, who you just mentioned there in Cole Komet. And, and the other one I'll just say is, like, you know, we, we had fun with it towards the end of last year, but my guy, Chiga Conquo. Okay. I'm telling you, Chiga Conquo can play. Okay. And they don't, I mean, like, other than Traylon Brooks, they don't have anyone in Tennessee that's going to demand targets. Yep. Yeah, like, my guy Chig. Yeah. Come on now. All right. Conquo. You just like Am saying his term? name. I do. No, I, <laughs> it took me a while to learn how to say it. So, yeah. like, I want to now. I want to brag. Yeah. It's all if Dalton it. Schultz was named yeah. Chicken Conquo, we just yeah, yeah, like yeah. Dalton Schultz a lot more. No, I'm bear hugging him in Dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Thousand percent. Is, a, he was a good Chiggy. buy low last yeah. year. Get Chiggy with it. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World? Like, hey, we came to play. 
Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, we will do some schedule release takeaways in just a moment. But before we do, the countdown to the Indianapolis 500 continues. Tune into NBC and Peacock on May 28th to find out who's going to kiss the bricks. Barry, another tradition, of course, chugging the milk, as we saw with the winner last year. So that's Marcus Harrison, my buddy Marcus Harrison, who I interviewed at the Kentucky Derby. Look at that. He just did 500 miles. Look at that. Indy 500, he just won. He's pouring it all over himself. An unbelievable accomplishment. He won it in the last two minutes. Let's go, Marcus Harrison. Absolutely pour it all over yourself. To To the victor go the spoils. And that's what he earned and did. And so you think you, you sit here and you think about, well, Barry, what have you accomplished? What have, <laughs> what have I accomplished? You know, because Marcus Harrison just won the Indy 500. You know what I did? Is I talked on the internet about fake football in the in the middle of May for like an hour. Uh-huh. I some so, fried chicken. So what I what I really deserve here. How are you supposed to get this off? <laughs> oh, it's it's a it's a, oh, it's, there you it's go. A lift tab. It's a lift tab. I was like I'm squeezing. You're not ready tab, to but, win any right. You know, yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, I pour it all over yourself, Barry. Well, no. If I win the 8500, you pour it all over yourself. But when you talk fake football on the internet for an hour, wow, straw, straw prop, oh, cash is like ten to one. That's terrifying. Children watch this show. <laughs> No. Nah. no, 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 no. Gave up no, milk a, no milk. a while milk ago. <laughs> I won the Indy 500, I would do the... Ch- wow. The milk uh, chug through the straw. That's a tough one. A true champion. That's a tough one. <sighs> I haven't accomplished anything. It, <laughs> pouring it on, in all seriousness, pouring it on your head should be deserved for the winners when you've, when you've accomplished something. What have I accomplished today, Jay Croucher? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. I don't want to hear anything more no. about my outfit while you're using a straw. Uh, listen, milk like that. have I accomplished more than you? Out. Yes, but that's not saying much, Jay Croucher. I don't deserve to drink straight from the bottle. I don't deserve <sighs> to pour it on my head. <laughs> the straw. God, Truly terrifying Terrible, sight. terrible look. All right. Well, with that yeah, being we should, said. We should bring back watch the, the uh, 500, May yes. 28th, 11 a.m. Eastern. And bring back Peacock. And you Kentucky Derby, the uh, Kentucky Derby vampire outfit to watch you drink milk through a straw. That, that would be a sight. That would really it actually meshes really well. bring it back. Yeah. 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 If Chica Conquer has a big game, bring out <laughs> yeah. the vampire outfit Yeah, when, when Chica Conquer has a big game, then, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, go to, I'll go to town. Yeah, get real no. chiggy with the milk. Yeah, yeah. thousand percent. Real chiggy with the milk. But it would be a dis- it would be disrespectful to Marcus Erickson yes. and all the Indy 500 winners that have come before him yep. to, to do that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. You don't deserve it. What am I, Ricky Bobby? Come on. No, stop it. Absolutely <laughs> You're not. You're not Ricky Bobby. I'm not Ricky no, Bobby. No. So the NFL schedule officially out here as we go into our last call here, fellas. Jay, some early takeaways from the schedule release. Yeah, so my early takeaway, it's going to be tough to get through this segment now with the presence the of sound the straw. Too, it's sound. I was uh, trying to, I, and I, because unfortunately the bottle's full, I was, trying to, like, really get, drink I was trying to get the, I was trying to get the Slurpee, like I was trying to get, you know, like the, yep. like. Yeah, it's too full, too much milk volume. Yeah, yeah too much milk yeah, volume. I'm done by the volume. Uh, I want to talk about the Green Bay Packers and their start of the season, sure. Connor, Matthew. Uh, so this is my big takeaway. Look at how the Packers start this year. At Bears, at Falcons, home to Saints, home to Lions, at Raiders, bye. At Broncos, home to Vikings, home to Rams, at Steelers. That is a beautiful schedule for the Green Bay Packers and for Jordan Love to get uh, acclimated to his new role in the NFL as a starting quarterback. And so in terms of taking advantage of this, bet little bet that I like, gentlemen, 
Matt LaFleur to win Coach of the Year is 20 to 1 at the moment. Uh, I think that Matt LaFleur, he is a guy in this market, you need to look for who's going to get the credit if they outperform expectations. Because if Andy Reid goes 15 and 2, he's yeah, not winning cares. Coach of the yeah. Year. Uh, if. Say, Zach Taylor, if he gets the one seed, probably not going to win Coach of the Year because it's so difficult to separate the quarterback performance from the coaching performance when a coach has a superstar quarterback. That's why Matt LaFleur didn't win when uh, Aaron Rodgers was winning MVPs, despite being in the mix. So I think if Matt LaFleur starts off well, if they go 11-6, and six, they win the NFC North, which is very much in play, then I think he can very easily win Coach of the Year. I think he'll get the credit for Jordan Love being good and for keeping him engaged for those years on the sidelines. And so, uh, yeah, Matt LaFleur. I, I, I Listen, I, uh, I really like this call. If you can flash back the schedule one more time, I want to point out one other thing that I think is important here. So the uh, Jordan Love, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the questions are going to be about Jordan Love and this Packers offense. That they, you know, it's the first season without Aaron Rodgers in a, in a billion years. And so, okay, at the Bears, their defense should be better. At the Falcons, okay, whatever. But, yeah, home to the Saints, home to the Lions, at the Raiders, you know, on the turf underneath, bye. At the Broncos, Vikings, Rams at home. Like, in the first nine weeks, the only tough deep, only truly t- – playing at Chicago is tough. You know, division rival, playing Sorry, at Chicago, there. Chicago is tough. But it should be good. Playing at, at – uh, should be good weather. At the Broncos, I think that's going to be a little bit tough. But other than that, like, it's it, – the tougher defenses, the Rams, the Saints – they're um, at home in the first nine weeks. And my point is is that one of the points that I made about Jalen Hurts last year was that because there were all these questions coming to the season, can Jalen Hurts be a franchise quarterback? Should the Eagles have drafted a quarterback, et cetera, et cetera? Those were all real things. And I said one of the points I made is, like, look at their, upcom- their early schedule. It's super easy. Yep. And NFL teams, when you start winning, you start getting confidence, and especially the quarterback. This is Jordan Love's first time, and no one knows kind of like, what are we going to get out of Jordan Love? Having an easy schedule and getting some W's on the board, I think, goes a long way for his confidence, for the coaching staff's confidence, for his teammates' confidence, and for, you know, all the, all the morons that call sports talk radio and like, we should never have traded Rodgers, blah, blah, you know, whatever. Like, they'll stop those calls if they're winning. So, to me, I think that the, the easy schedule is not only interesting from a betting perspective for Lafleur, but I also think it's really interesting. Jordan Love becomes an interesting quarterback sleeper, and it, I, it gives me more confidence if I'm if I'm drafting Christian Watson, you know, and, and the running backs there, right? Yep. So the the other thing too is that when you're backing long shots, just in general in betting, you want variance, you want upside, and Jordan Love, like he probably won't be amazing, but he could be. We just don't know. We have yeah, no right. idea what Jordan Love is going to look like, and he is a high variance quarterback. The other thing, the other point that I'll try to make as Matthew continues to sift the milk through the straw is that the Green Bay Packers, they play six games uh, in prime time. So Matt LaFleur, if he is doing a good job, he is going to get a lot of attention, a lot of credit, whereas look at a team like the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith, who they could win a pretty open division as well. They don't play in prime time ever. Whereas Matt LaFleur, he does, and also you've got to project forward with this kind of stuff too. Week 17, Sunday Night Football on NBC, Packers-Vikings. Matt LaFleur wraps up Coach of the Year on NBC Prime. Look at that. I like that call. Little cheers here. I like that call. And if that actually happens, then you can chug the milk. Yeah, yeah, I'll chug the milk. I'll tip the milk on me. Yes. If Matt LaFleur is favorite for Coach of the Year after that game, we'll do it on the show. It's a a good call out, Jay. And on top of that, the Packers plus 400 to win their own division, which is not a strong division. They've got a good roster around. They've been on that as well. For me, guys, from a fantasy angle, when you look at the Falcons' schedule, it makes it even easier. Easier, if you could believe it, to believe in a massive year for Bijan Robinson. The Falcons, by basically every single analytics projection, have the weakest strength of schedule. They are projected to play the weakest schedule in the NFL. And this from the Falcoholic, they have no primetime games, so the schedule is very consistent. No Thursday games, no short week with that. There's no Thursday. Four of their first six games are at home. They have the Week 11 bye. Hopefully get Bijan some fresh legs for the fantasy playoffs down the stretch run as well. I think if – and honestly, the most important thing is you look at the schedule, nothing scares you out of the gate. Panthers, no, Packers, no. Lions, Jaguars, Texans, Commanders, Bucks. I think Bijan Robinson is equipped to just have a monster, monster, monster rookie year, and the schedule should only reaffirm that belief. I don't see a single loss on that schedule. I reckon the Falcons go 17-0. This is uh, unbelievable. The other um, good thing, too, is <laughs> Week 6. <laughs> Sorry. Week 6. 16-1. Yeah, no. They lose to Sam Howe. The other good thing is they play the Jags in London, and then the following week they get to come home and play the Texans. 
that's good as opposed to you know the following week having to go to Arrowhead and when play Kansas City. Then it's just yeah. an automatic when you pass on a bye post London. Yeah. Absolutely, Barry, where are you going? You know who's a big. We, a lot of people talk about oh, who are the losers of the schedule? Who are the winners of the schedule? You know who's one of the winners of the NFL schedule? So Matthew us, oh. <laughs> us. Yes, guys like me, guys like us, fantasy players, fantasy players. Last year we looked at the schedule when it came out and we're like, wait, week fourteen. By Mageddon is week 14. All the when we're trying to get into the playoffs the week before the playoffs or in some leagues where the league the week the playoffs start, all these teams are to buy. What are you doing? Was there any consideration given to fantasy football when they made the schedule? Clearly not. This year there was. This year there was. By Mageddon is no longer week 14. It's week 13. Week 14 is Cardinals and Commanders. Barely any Who cares about those offenses. <laughs> exactly, a thousand percent. There'll be some fantasy relevant players on both those teams, obviously. Sam but week Al, thirteen, clearly. week thirteen is where you've got Josh Allen, uh, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. So that's going to be a tough quarterback week. Bime again will be week thirteen. No Justin Jefferson. No no Devonte Adams. No Stephon Diggs. Right as you just sort of look there and, and glance. No Saquon. No. Potentially no Dalvin Cook um, or Alexander Madison, right? No, um, no Josh Jacobs. Mark Andrews. Yeah. Um, so, right, Biden again is week 13, but we can navigate that because a lot of fantasy leagues start their playoffs in week 15, or even if it's 14, you can deal with that. So, yes, we are winners. America are wins. Winners. America, America wins. America wins. Yes. Fantasy's global. And with that, fellas, that's a, <laughs> that's a wrap on today's I, how show. How great would it be, in all seriousness, how great would it be is if whoever wins the Indy 500 this year, they pull out a straw. Yeah, and they, they, they suck it. They one. cheers to you. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, I learned yeah, this yeah. from Fantasy Football Happy Hour, Matthew Actually, Barrett. NBC yeah. told me the winner was going to do that, but then they watched this show today and now the straw's out. Yeah, Fair. The straw's out forever. I don't blame yeah. them. I don't blame <laughs> them. Well, listen, you know what, guys? It's closing time, which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay Croucher, Connor Rogers, I'm Matthew Berry, sipping milk to the winner's circle. We'll see you next week. Peace. Out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.